Today's episode is brought to you by Built Bar. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKED15. You'll get 15% off your next order. Your Locked On Maple Leafs. Your daily podcast on the Toronto Maple Leafs. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Leafs slash Locked On Canucks a podcast here. We're doing a joint pod with myself, Mike DiStefano, the host of Locked On Leafs from TSN 1050 Toronto Radio, and also the host of Locked On Canucks, Mr. Justin Morissette from Sportsnet Radio. How about this? We, uh, we're brothers when it comes to the Locked On Network, but foes when it comes to our, uh, our main nine to fives, eh? Yeah, I guess locked on is like international waters. Anything goes out here, right? I, <laughs> exactly. I definitely would be able to talk to you on the airwaves at work. I'll tell you that much. <laughs> no, no, no. I think the higher ups may even be a little upset if they find out that we're friendly when it comes to, to our online stuff. But hey, if they want us exclusive, they got to pay us a little more money. Ain't that right? <laughs> I would say that is very correct. Yeah. <laughs> Um, you can hit me up on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Hit up Justin at Justin Morris. Um, also, our shows at Locked on Leafs and Locked on Canucks for the daily Leafs and Canucks coverage of the teams. Uh, so, the Leafs uh, with a big 4-1, 5-1 actually. They scored the internetter. A 5-1 win on Vancouver tonight. And Justin, so we're doing a Zoom so you can see me, but everyone else not quite sure what exactly is going on. But everyone knows what this sounds like. <laughs> yes, and I'm nursing one of those myself at the moment. I feel like you sort of need to after a game like that. After well, after the a week <laughs> like that, basically, it's been so, a it's been a weird one lately. It's been a weird one for you guys out in Vancouver, but for Toronto, we're on a five game winning streak. You are having a beer that's going to just put you out of your misery. This is what we like to call celebration beers out east here in Toronto, my friend. A five one <laughs> win. We'll do a virtual cheers. And uh, we'll get to chatting about this game. Uh, first and foremost, like I said, Leafs on a five-game winning streak. Canucks can't quite say the same since. And it's kind of funny. Toronto, a couple of weeks ago, got embarrassed by Vancouver when they came off of that uh, COVID-long run where they were out for like three weeks um, and, and lost two in a row. And it was like, whoa, maybe the Canucks actually are going to go on like a magical run oh. here. And since then, it has not gone great. And over the last couple of games, this quick two-game set with Vancouver, the Leafs really got them back and was like, no, 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 no. You aren't actually a good team, and we are the best in the East. Can I just say, as a media member out here in Vancouver, uh, that I hate the Leafs for losing those games? Like, yes, we got this wonderful storybook moment about – uh, look at this team coming off of this horrible situation and what a gutsy effort. They're really rallying together and playing for each other and what a, a wonderful heartwarming moment that was. Yes, especially the Sunday night game that they won, the first game back. That is one of the most memorable regular season wins that Vancouver's going to have, maybe in the entire history of the franchise, honestly. But the, the damage of it 
is that as media, we had spent the previous two weeks, essentially, while the team was on hiatus, saying, don't expect anything from these guys when they come back. It's going to be tough. It's going to be a really, really hard thing to watch. They're going to be forced to play 19 games in 31 days. Eventually, the schedule was revised, so it was 34 days, I believe. Not that that makes a huge difference, but, uh, you know, we were telling people to expect real hard times ahead because uh, look, you've seen it already this season. You've seen it when the Dallas stars had their COVID situation at the beginning of the year. Those guys uh, took a real long time to get their lungs and legs back. Um, And granted that happened at the beginning of the season, but still like they did not look like the the team that they should have looked like for uh, several weeks until they kind of caught back up to speed. And the time that it would take them to catch back up to speed was essentially the time remaining in the Canucks schedule as a whole. You even saw it in the Canadian division. You know, Montreal had to uh, have two games postponed just because of, uh, you know, a, a false positive. Or maybe there was one case. Joel Armia, I think, actually did have yeah, it. Yeah, he did, yeah. There was those two games that were delayed, which forced them to play, I think, nine games in 14 days, something crazy like that. That's a big reason why you're looking at the Habs right now and saying, well, the sky has fallen with this team. Look how terrible they've been over this stretch. What can you possibly expect from them when you force them to play so many games in such a small amount of time? So the Canucks come out and win those games, and suddenly the market here, all the fans are like, well, look at this negative media who told us they were going to lose and that the rest of this season was going to suck. We're in a playoff chase here, baby. No, we're not. And we never were. We got one, two maybe feel-good moments. I would say the second game, the Canucks did not deserve to win that. They really didn't deserve to win the first one either. But David Riddich in the second one certainly was just, you know, uh, about well, as poor as he was about as porous as an aquifer in, in letting those uh, goals just flow right through him like water a couple times. And that is not a thing that is sustainable. We, and, and we saw that over the course of the last week, getting beaten by the Ottawa Senators, the lowly Ottawa Senators, in three out of four straight meetings. So uh, as much as I enjoyed those wins, perhaps, and it was a nice feel-good moment for the city and certainly the team, uh, they sort of reset expectations, I think, within the fan base that, that the media had been overly negative and, and overly, they call it critical. We just cared about the players too much, essentially. Right. We were worried about these guys' health and well-being. Um, and I, like, as much as it was nice to win those games, I would probably have rather that they lost them just so people would have known what the rest of this stretch is going to be like because it's certainly played out that way since those games. Yeah, and reality has set back in. And I think over the last couple of games, these losses to the Leafs really kind of put it to perspective, like how far behind the Canucks are to, to what a playoff team actually is. Like the other night, the, the Leafs had like four guys who they just took out of the lineup to rest because they're like, we're playing the Canucks. Like we're going to get the win, get the points anyways. And then tonight, something I found really interesting that I, I appreciate actually, like at the expense of the Canucks, like Sheldon Keefe news, like this game's pretty much wrapped up. We're going to win this game. Let's go ahead and like, make sure that our top six doesn't get overworked. Let's only play them 15, 16 minutes and make sure that we get our bottom six some minutes tonight and rest up those big guys for this big stretch and, 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 you know, getting it right into the playoffs. And it's just, you know, it it really goes to show how much farther ahead the Leafs are now compared to the, to the Canucks, which is interesting because it was only about a year ago that everybody was saying, Oh, the Canucks might be the, the best team in Canada when they went on that playoff run, thanks to Thatcher Demko and uh, Markstrom. But 
really at this point, I think after the last couple of games, like it's not even a question that the Canucks at this point don't look like a playoff team. And, and I think reality has set in there and the Leafs really look dominant again and uh, are, are really equipped to go on a long run. We'll get into like the future of these two franchises a little bit later into the podcast, but I just want to know from tonight, if there's anything that really stuck out to you about this game. Uh, well, one of my thoughts was something that Craig Simpson said in the dying moments of the game, I think final five minutes of the third period, uh, Travis Green pulled the goalie down 4-1, which, you know, seems like a bit of an odd move given the game's essentially locked up at that he point. He did the same thing in Ottawa, didn't he? He's done it multiple times over the last couple of weeks. And Craig was sort of complimenting him saying, hey, why not? You know, yeah, if they score one more, what's the difference between 5-1 and 4-1? Um, and, but, if they, but if the Canucks score one more, well, suddenly you've changed the entire complexion of the last four minutes of the game. And while I do agree with that, I don't know that Travis's motives on that are perhaps as uh, altruistic maybe as they're being made out to be because, look <sighs> – one of the persistent stories that has been uh, floating around Vancouver all season long is the inevitable fate of the general manager here in this city. Jim Benning's uh, job security has been a topic all year long, certainly coming out of that offseason, which, you know, you're talking about uh, the, the Canucks maybe being the best young core in Canada last summer. Well, what's the difference between then and now? They completely bungled their offseason. The, the identity of their team was lost, essentially, because that group last year was built on elite goaltending and an elite top six. You had a goalie who could bail out a bad defense and a, a top six group that could outscore that same bad defense, essentially. They tried to use what little money they had available to them this past summer to remodel their defense. And I really think that was the wrong move because you had to let a guy like Tyler Toffoli go as a result of that for a very agreeable contract that, of, of course, you know, the, the goals that he's scoring for Montreal are essentially what's going to hold the Canucks out of the playoffs uh, if they had been able to make that push for the final spot, which, you know, as we're seeing, they're not really able to anyways for COVID reasons and for just overall quality reasons, I think. But, uh, you know, G GM Jim Benning being on the hot seat has been a story all year long. And, uh, when he made the moves to re-sign Thatcher Demko and re-sign Tanner Pearson, which is not that long ago, what it signaled to this market was, well, this guy is clearly here to stay because why would you let him make these determinant moves for your future if you were planning to get rid of him at the end of the season? When we were told at the time, even Elliot Friedman came on the radio and said, I really believe that Jim is secure and here to stay and has been for quite a while. Since the COVID little hiccup, however, and by that I mean JT Miller having to come out to the media and say, hey, what the hell is going on here? We're not able to play these games. This schedule is outrageous. There's clearly a communication breakdown somewhere between the players, the PA, and the league itself. Well, who's the middleman to communicate between those two groups? It's got to be GM Jim Benning. What did we hear in the immediate aftermath of that? Well, suddenly Jim's job is no longer secure. And uh, whether he stays or goes is suddenly, quote unquote, dependent on results down the stretch and fan interest. And while I agree with Craig Simpson on one level that, yeah, there's not a big difference to the Canucks and is certainly Travis Green if you lose by 4-1 or 5-1, there is a difference to the perception of the casual fan. If you just look at that box score and see 5-1, it feels appreciably worse 
than 4-1. And if if Travis is trying to maneuver to get rid of this GM, who and he's a lame duck coach who doesn't have a contract next year, look, that wouldn't surprise me in the slightest is all I'm saying. So this was your roundabout way of saying this is just a screw job for Travis Green to get his GM fired. I mean, he certainly fired some shots at the team construction of this group lately. Uh, you know, I really, I really, I don't know what else to say. I don't know yeah. how else to read it, honestly. What about from Elise's perspective? Did you like what you saw out of Toronto tonight? Yeah, I mean, certainly the last two games, uh, you look at what they've done and, um, like you said, the fact that they're resting these guys, they clearly did not overwork their top six. They let half of their top four D just take the night off. They yeah. started David Riddich again on Thursday, even after he had been, as I said, as porous as an aquifer. Uh, you know, like they, they clearly did not take this team as a threat and coming off three of four losses against the Sens, why would you? Um, but, but if that is a team that is able to still dominate the way they did, like Thursday, man, two shots on net in the opening period. Certainly the Canucks had a way better start uh, on Saturday than they did in, in the first game of this set, but uh, it didn't matter either way. Like this is, this is a team that so thoroughly outclasses them in every single way right now. Uh, management certainly uh, <laughs> in a way that maybe was not, I guess is visible on the ice when you take it as a whole, yeah. but um, but yeah, I mean, this is a, this is a group that should be the favorite to come out of the North division. Um, and I know having said that, that, you know, the, uh, anything that they did in the regular season doesn't matter. All eyes and all judgments are going to be placed on what they do in the playoffs. And this is a group who has shown in the past that they maybe don't have the, uh, testicular fortitude as it were to get over that hump in the postseason. I think they've made a lot of additions this year, yeah. uh, with veteran guys, certainly the Felino pickup, but also Thornton and Spezza, uh, guys who are hungry, guys who want that ring more than anything, uh, that should help with that. And uh, look like everyone's a loser until they're a winner. Right. So, uh, like Steve Eiserman is considered the greatest warrior of all time. Well, he wasn't until he was like 30 years old. He was a right. big choker until then. Ovechkin, right? Ovechkin's like a modern day where it was like, oh, you can't win with this guy. And all of a sudden, he finally wins one. And it's like, yeah. oh, yeah, of course he was going to win one. Like, he bought in. He's finally playing well as a two-way player. The guy we knew he could be. And now, all of a sudden, he's a winner. And and the, the Santos the, or the Washington Capitals, you know, they're considered to be favorites in the East because they've won before. They're winners. And it's kind of the same type of outlook where Toronto, you don't have that view because they haven't done it yet. But what I think, what I like about this year when it comes to the Leafs is that they went out and they got guys who I think not necessarily have, like a couple of them have done it. So like Jake Muzzin, who they went out and, you know, he's done it. Nick Foligno has won some playoff series and he's won a couple rounds last year against Toronto. He was a pain in the ass. You know, they, the year before they upset the, the Tampa Bay lightning and like he was a big catalyst for both of those series. So he's had playoff success. Um, you know, I, I just – I really like what they've done on the ice. Jason Spetz has been to a couple uh, – you know, made some deep runs into the playoffs. Joe Thornton's obviously made some deep runs into the playoffs. Uh, Wayne Simmons, another guy. Bogosian they brought in who just won a cup last year. So they added to that culture and to that character. And, like, even, like, tonight, when, when the fact that – the only reason why you can really give your top guys a night off 
figuratively just because they didn't play 25 minutes like they usually do like Matthews and Marner and Nylander and stuff it's because you have this this you know makeshift old boys fourth line of of Thornton and and Spezza who are just playing exceptional hockey right now like they I think I read there on a five game point streak the two of them both have games in five straight tell me another fourth line in the NHL who have the leadership and the capabilities and the production that these guys have. And they're so late in their careers, yet they understand that they have a role and they're playing it so well. And it's just, it makes this team so much better when everybody understands what the end goal is and what they can do to reach that goal. And for guys like Mar or for guys like Spezza and Thornton, it's like, okay, if we only got to play 10 minutes one night, we're fine with that. But if you need, you know, calling us to play 14, 15 minutes tonight, when, you know, you want to rest the big boys, we're going to be ready for that task. And I think that's what's so great about the Maple Leafs and how much they've really bought in this season. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're talking about find me another team in the league who's getting that production from their fourth line. Find me another team in the league who has two surefire Hall of Famers on their fourth line, you know? <laughs> and, and you and I talked about this, I feel like, last month, the last time we did a crossover episode like this, uh, talking about general roster construction and the ways that Toronto has gone differently than Vancouver. Investing heavily in a locked-up top six where you have cost certainty in your stars and can rotate pieces out around them – Well, that's a really attractive situation. If you are a Joe Thornton or a Jason Spezzo or a guy who's late in your career who is really just wanting to win that cup before you hang him up, you look at a team that has a core set like that and see that as an attractive destination and you'll sign for whatever. You know, look, let's be honest. Thornton, Spezza, those are not league minimum guys. Those are guys who are there because they are on a specific mission and that is to win the Stanley Cup. And uh, Vancouver has overpaid mightily on a bottom six that simply does not deliver at all. In fact, most of these guys are injured and not even playing right now, which... COVID is a part of that, certainly. You know, that hurts the conditioning. We see we saw a rash of injuries coming out of that COVID break. A lot of guys going down and leaving games and not returning. But also, those guys were going to be old when you signed those deals, and their bodies are broken down at this point, and that should have been foreseeable when you inked those contracts three years ago. It has nothing to do with the circumstances of this season, really. And, uh, you know, <laughs> you're talking about having depth and, and all these uh, quality pieces that can step up when you rest, guys. I was kind of excited when Vancouver got not one but two waiver claims from Toronto right before the deadline. And yeah, Jimmy- I could have. I could have told you that that was not going to work out for you. I mean, <laughs> you asked me before, you said, oh, give me a quick scouting report on these guys. And, and unfortunately, I neglected to, to, to do it at the time. But I texted you back today and I was like, so I'm sure you've actually realized this by now. But like Boyd, some, you know, he's shown flashes that he could be an NHL body. VC, though, fringe NHL at this point. And you oh, texted me back and said, yeah, like he's, he's not really – anything and the fact that the Leafs or the fact that the Canucks were playing him 20 minutes a night when he first got there shocked me he's like he's like the Marty McFly uh pitcher in Back to the Future every time you look at it maybe there's a person in it and maybe there (laughs) isn't you know he's like phasing in and out of reality but yeah like I was hoping for another Josh Levo situation where you have this guy who's a very useful depth player but because the Leafs are just stacked 
uh, he's available to you, right? So that was sort of what I was hoping we were going to get out of uh, these two pickups. And no. you know, like, like, I, like you've said and like I've said, yeah, they just simply are not that. This is a team that has no depth. This is a team that has played Matthew Highmore, who was acquired in trade from the Chicago Blackhawks at the trade deadline in a trade that the Canucks have surely lost because Adam Gaudet has – three points and counting in his last two games with the Chicago Blackhawks playing with skilled players, I might add, uh, a spot that he was never really allowed to play uh, in the Canucks lineup. Surprise, surprise, suddenly this guy who is a Hobie Baker winner and his entire game is built around having good speed and a good shot is putting up points in a top six role. Who could have seen that coming? Meanwhile, Matthew Highmore, who's not even an NHL player at all, has played multiple times in Vancouver's top six over the last little while. And, uh, you know, the results have, have certainly not been there. So, yes, it is, a, it is a tale of two cities at the moment as far as uh, depth up and down the roster is concerned. And that's sort of how the last two games have played out. I mean, the fact that you guys could go back to Riddich and not have to worry about it at all in the Thursday game, like, you should take that as a grave insult if you are the person who has constructed this Vancouver Canucks team. Um, and I don't know that that's how they're feeling ultimately. So who knows? Stocks, beams, rocket ships, day trading can be a lot of fun. But if you want to grow your long-term wealth and make it to the moon, you should open up a Wealthfront investment account today. Investing can be complicated, but whether you're a beginner or you've been investing for years, Wealthfront makes it easy. They have the right tools for every portfolio. Wealthfront is trusted with over $20 billion of assets, and you can get your first 5000 managed for free by going to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. All you need is 500 get started. Grow your wealth in an easy way and let Wealthfront do the work for you. To get your first 5,000 managed free for life, go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL. That's W E L T H F R O N T dot com slash locked on NHL to start growing your savings. Go to wealthfront.com slash locked on NHL and get started today. All right, let's get let's get to our three stars of the night here. Um, so we talked about a lot of these guys already tonight, but for myself, I got to give my third star to to, to pretty much the fourth line in, entirely. But uh, someone who I really want to give a special shout out to is Adam Brooks, um, and I'm curious how you felt about his game being kind of an outsider. But you know, he's somebody that has has played really well as of late and has really fit in on that, you know, anchoring that line with the two Hall of Famers, like you say, on either side of him. You know, he's really forcing Keith's hand to keep him in this lineup once tough decisions are going to be needed to be made. Scored another goal tonight. Um, and then obviously, you know, Jumbo with with the goal at the end there and, and Spezza, both of them extending their point streaks to five straight. You know, so, so I wanted to give a shout out to them. Just, you know, like I said, answering the call. Instead of playing nine minutes tonight, they had to play a little bit more, and they answered the the, the bell and, and played well. So that was kind of my uh, third star of the night. Uh, what, what about yourself? Uh, I think it's a good pick. Uh, Brooks is a guy that I was not super aware of uh, until about two weeks ago. Maybe a name that I'd seen float around on Twitter, but he is something – uh, that I have taken notice of over these last four games against Toronto, a name that you kind of have to learn, especially, as you said, when he's playing with such fine players. And also think about that. Center is like the hardest position to break into in this league. And he is not only playing on a fourth line as a centerman coming into the NHL, he's playing with two other centermen, two guys who are 
like we've said, like eventual Hall of Fame players. And, uh, you know, that is, that is a very impressive showing of depth and a, and a big reason why, uh, you know, someone like Travis Boyd is, is currently in Vancouver and no longer in Toronto. Exactly. And now you know why Travis Boyd isn't uh, here in Toronto anymore. A um, couple other players that maybe stuck out to you tonight as a, a second star. Oh, I don't know, man. This, I just have such a hard time even sort of drawing any analysis from Canucks games lately. I, I said before we started recording, and I have to credit uh, Daniel Wagner of Vancouver is awesome, Glacial Me- Glacier Media, because he is the guy who uh, came up with this analogy. But it does feel like lately when you watch these games, uh, when you're driving on the highway and just sort of maybe zone out, maybe trance a little bit, and, and suddenly you snap out of it and you're in your driveway and you're home and you have no idea how you got there. This is, a, this is maybe the worst Canucks season in the history of this franchise, which really says a lot because this is not a franchise with a rich history in general. You know, talking to all my friends in media, this is the worst season they can recall covering. Uh, it's right up there. This might be worse than the Messier era. This might be worse than like any number of Canucks uh, eras you want to talk about because it's just grueling to watch this team on a night in and night out basis. So like, yeah, there was a, a bunch of guys for Toronto who looked great to me. I know who my first star is certainly, and we'll get, we'll get to that in just a second. But you know, as far as who was uh, was second best in this game, take your pick of any number of Leafs. They all look good because they're playing against a team who uh, are exhausted and just aren't very good to begin with. Yeah, I, I gave it to, to to Jack Campbell myself. You know, having a good bounce back performance. He's played really well as of late. The one goal that they scored on him, I mean, he was screened. Not even sure if he saw the Pearson shot coming. Um, so, so that was kind of my second star of the game. But if you have a first star, I'm sure it's the same guy that I'm thinking. Um, it. It's the guy who scored a couple of goals tonight and was absolutely on fire. Austin Matthews, as an outsider, you got to be honest. You got to be honest. How jealous are you that I get to watch this man play hockey every day? I mean, especially jealous right now while Elias <laughs> Pedersen is injured and I don't have, uh, you know, a, an exceptionally dynamic player of my own to watch on a nightly basis. But even even in the games that have not been against the Canucks of late, man, that Matthews goal uh, that I believe was against the Montreal the other night earlier this week. Oh, where he batted it down and then like quick release, lightning quick release. Like the thing with Matthews is he's, he can score in, in any way. Like, he could score by batting the puck out of the air. I don't know if you saw tonight, there was a, 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 in the third period, there was a power play. It was just a, a nifty little, like, play where he popped the puck up around the blue line and, and just, like, kept possession over the – I can't remember who the Canucks player was, but it was just, like, a super nifty play that he did to keep possession in the ozone on the power play instead of, you know, giving it away or trying to give it up to, to his player and risk it getting uh, stolen off of by a Canuck. And it's just – you know, every single night he makes wow plays and he's just so fantastic. And again, tonight, uh, two goals. Um, he was aggressive on the on the forecheck and, and, you know, ended up with a few hits on the night too. Um, super crafty. I mean, I, I – but his line mates too, you got to give some love there. Like Mitch Marner, also an absolutely fantastic player. And Felino. He's looks good on this line. And, and I thought tonight was um, a real solid night for him. You think about that first goal – like, that's pretty much how you match up how that line should play, right? Felino go hard for a puck in behind the net. 
you know, pass it around the boards to, uh, to, to Marner in behind the goal, have him find Matthews out in front. And, you know, he's going to put in the back of the net every single time. Like that is how, if I were to map up a goal for how that line is going to score, that's going to work every single time. And that's going to be the bread and butter. And and they just right now are are already finding chemistry, despite it only being a few games together. And Felino, he's got points in all four games, assists in all four games since he's come to Toronto. So, you know, not just Matthews, but like that entire line, I kind of want to give my first star to. And there's a reason why Felino is in that spot, right? Why, why Jumbo has been put down to the fourth line despite having played with that duo quite a lot well, this year. Especially Hyman. Like, Hyman was there for, for quite a bit, and he plays a similar role. You know, go retrieve the puck and, and get it to, to these two players. And Felino fills in just masterfully in that role. But, but, you know, when I was talking earlier about why people might discount the Leafs heading into these playoffs, it's because that young core has not necessarily shown that, that winning desire, that fire within that, that, you know, you will not be denied. You cannot lose in the playoffs, you know. Uh, I think even Toronto fans would agree. They did not look like a spirited bunch in their fifth and final elimination game of the play-in round against Columbus last year. And and it's that young group that you're counting on to have that spirit to take over a game in that situation. And, and look, I fully believe that Matthews and Martin are the types of players who can get to that level, who have that within them. But you know who's going to drag them there? Nick Foligno. He's, he's a guy who's going to be at that level, who's going to have that intensity. And I hate to say this because it's a, a hockey cliche, but he is a drag you into the fight type of player. And I don't know that Matthews and Marner entirely need to be dragged. I think they are very willing to go to that place, but to have someone who's going to take them there is certainly a valuable thing. Absolutely. Um, Yeah. And no question, no question. Austin Matthews was the best player in this game. Might be one of the best players to watch in the world right now. He is at that level where this transcends all of sport. It's not just hockey. It's not just uh, you know, basketball or like every major sport. The best thing you can see is an elite player who is at such a level, level of confidence where they are feeling comfortable within a game to do things that they might not have even ever tried in practice before just because hey why not let's let's go let's see it right i am waiting and for Matthews, this guy Matthews, for this guy to pull off the michigan hockey <laughs> twitter will just explode absolutely explode if this guy pulls it off or some other like trick goal scoring that he like come up comes up with himself like it's honestly just going to be an absolute trip once that happens and it's going to like like i said the, the guy scores goals in every way possible it, it's getting to the point where it's like okay when's he going to make up a new way and 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 we're all going to fawn over it and and when you see a player like that who knows how good they are still surprise themselves with what they were able to pull off. That is the pinnacle of sport. There's nothing better than that, even as you watch it happen to your own team, as he uh, may have done to the Canucks on Saturday. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) But I have to say, I have to say, Mike, I'm very appreciative of the fact that we're deep into this conversation. We've been very civil with each other. And you know what we haven't mentioned one single time? Alex Edler, because I am so sick of the discourse around that whole thing. It's two fan bases who are basically two Spider-Men pointing at each other saying, cry more or, or uh, living yeah. rent free in each other's heads. Or It's just the stupidest discourse. I have no time for it. And look, uh, 
you are partial to the Canucks, as you mentioned earlier, as, as I know, as we've talked about before. Uh, I think it's a big stretch to ascribe malicious intent to Alex Edler in that, no. in that incident with, no, with I, Zach Hyman. I've brought that up on this podcast before. It was definitely not it – was, it was just a reaction. It's like, oh, you just – like, don't get past me. He just went to stick his leg out to hold him off from, like, darting into the zone. I don't think he meant it like a malicious knee-on-knee collision. And look like, – That look being at- said, though, that being said, you also injured one of this team's, like, heart and soul players. Regardless if it was intent or not, you know, I believe that, like, I, the, the, the fight – happens but it's not a big problem like and yeah. as far as i know and, and i i heard kevin bxa yesterday he was discussing it and, and he talked to uh he talked to edler right after the game and he was fine he was like yeah no like i i fought him is what it is and i think we can both agree wayne simmons is a big dude if wayne simmons wanted to beat the living piss out of alex edler he could have he was holding back he just did that just i think just to just to kind of like kind of sent a message to his team saying like, Hey guys, we're not going to get pushed around and we're going to stick up for each other. I think that was the message more than anything than it was trying to get retribution on Edler himself. I fully agree with that. I think both guys went into that fight knowing that this is obligatory on both parts. You know, neither of us really want to do this, but the code or what is expected of us both by our teammates and hockey culture as a whole says we have to do this. So here we go. I just want to say that like, I've seen a lot of prominent Leafs fans and even Leafs media like try to make Alex Edler, a guy who has two major penalties in a 16-year career, out to be the Swedish Brian Marchment or some crap like that. Like it's just yeah. ridiculous. Hockey is a fast sport. Things happen. Look at look at Rasmus Sandin with that reverse hit that blew up a guy in Winnipeg last that weekend. Was awesome. or, or even look that at was awesome though. Timothy Lilligren and the contact that he had with Tyler Mott on Thursday. These things are not intentional. And to paint these people as vicious murderers is just so beyond ridiculous uh, that I'm really glad that we can just put this behind us and I never have to talk about this ever again. <laughs> yeah, no, because I think we're on the same page. Like, I think we, we are, are, are two, like, rational human beings who are just on the same page when it comes to this, which is crazy. How, how dare – we are on opposite sides. I'm, you know – covering from a lease perspective you're covering from a cox perspective and we can somehow get along and have the same thought process who would have thunk it but uh here we are unreal Um, i gotta tell you guys about built bar it's the best tasting protein bar ever and the new and improved built bar is even more delicious they've got 18 amazing flavors and six brand new flavors that you want to check out my favorite cookies and cream it is fantastic but they also got caramel brownie, cherry barcia, carrot cake, apple, almond crisp. And that goes along with the other 12 original flavors. And we already know how much I love myself, my peanut butter brownie. The bars are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft and easy to chew. And best of all, the Built Bar is healthy, folks. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal who's looking to lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, great for the keto diet. Let me tell you a little bit about the peanut butter bar. It's got 19 grams of protein, just 180 calories, just 5 grams of sugar, and only 5 grams of net carbs. I'm telling you. These bars are healthy, they're delicious, they're amazing. You just got to go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code LOCKEDON, and you'll receive 20% off your next order. Use the promo code LOCKEDON at BuiltBar.com. 
Bet online, the fastest and easiest way to bet on your sports action. Football might be over, but NBA and the NHL are in full swing. Bet online even covers awards, TV shows, and reality TV. Real-time updated odds and props on almost anything you can imagine. Bet online as you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sportsbook experts. I want to I, I want to move on and and talk about like the Leafs and the Canucks going forward. And I'm always curious to get the the outsider perspective on this team. Sometimes I find that I get a little I get uh, kind of too invested, in, and I think that this team is like just too good. Like like I legitimately feel that this team is is um, the way that they're playing right now, especially. Um, this is a team that I believe will compete for the Stanley cup this season and has a legitimate chance on doing that. Someone from an outside perspective, someone who just watched this team play, does that like, do you get Stanley cup team vibes from this team? Certainly the, the finalists coming out of the North. Absolutely. Because, you know, you want to talk about maybe the, that young core of, of uh, Vancouver or sorry, Toronto, not having that ability to take that next step. Who's the biggest competition to come out of the North if not Toronto? It's got to be Edmonton, right? Now, Ed- because Winnipeg is just floundering. They've lost, what, six in a row in regulation and were up 3-1 on Montreal the other night and lost to a team who also hasn't been playing well. But even, like, when, the Jets, even when the Jets were rolling, they are just the opposite team that Toronto is. Toronto has a stacked forward group and a stacked defense, and they're rolling the dice on goaltending, right? Well, what is Winnipeg doing? They have two great goalies, one significantly greater than the other, but still both of very solid options. And the rest of that team, I, I you could set up a, a – I, I think they got a real solid forward group, though. Like, they roll four six lines very, pretty absolutely. deep. Their top six is very, very good. Absolutely. Yeah. But that is a team where if you ask me to name uh, who plays defense for them, I mean, I could do it because I've played this game before. <laughs> <laughs> but it's a stretch. If you were to set up a Sporkle quiz of name the Winnipeg Jets roster outside of their goalies, I think most people would be hard-pressed to do it. It's a very uh, sort of milk carton uh, group. They definitely missed the boat when it, at the deadline when they had an opportunity to add a, an impact top four defenseman, and they didn't do that. And I thought that was a massive misstep. They have the roster to compete, and this year – more than any, when it's ju- you just got to beat the teams in Canada. And, and let's be honest, it's this Canadian division isn't as good as, as some of the other divisions that they're going to have to go through in the future. Like, they are going to have a tough time. Uh, they're, what, regularly in a division with, with Colorado, I believe. Are they – was it Colorado? Yeah, they're in the Central Division, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> I forget what the divisions are. It's been a whole year of, of all this- – <laughs> I don't even know how the playoffs are going to work once we get our division champions because yeah, you, you don't have to worry about it in Vancouver. No, you I don't have to be all. there anyway. <laughs> but it's east versus it's east versus east and west versus west in the final four. Typically, you don't have that this year. You no. have a north division, yeah. uh, a south division, and two east west divisions kind of crammed in between them like a sandwich. Uh, I have no idea how you determine seeding in terms of who plays who coming out of that. I'm sure that's already written out. I don't know yeah. what it is. It seems very confusing to me. But, uh, you know, uh, my point there was 
everything that we said about the question marks about, you know, the young core of the Leafs is even more true of Edmonton. Like Toronto is not the only team with expectations who did not make it out of the qualifying round last year. Right. Right. Uh, And I would say that they are in a much better position to succeed than the Oilers are. I'd be shocked if they're not the, the Canadian finals. But then after that, who knows? Like you just can't compare teams this year because nobody's playing against the whole slate. Right. I'm sure that there are teams in uh, that division with Tampa and Florida and Carolina and all those, those powerhouse groups that, you know, one of them is going to be knocked out in the first round no matter what, would love to be playing in Canada this year. Uh, unfortunately, that's not what they're doing. But, you know, it's just so hard to say the Leafs look great this year, but do they look better than the Colorado Avalanche or the Tampa Bay Lightning? I really can't say. However, you are in a situation where you have a, a very unique chance to get to the Final Four in a way that you never will a- be able to otherwise ever again, and they have taken advantage of that. They have put themselves in a position to at least be uh, you know, semifinalists and perhaps conference champions, if not the whole thing. And, and I think in a situation like this, that's all you can ask for. Yeah, and just to, to go back on that point, the Rangers, who are currently uh, on the outside looking in in the East Division with 58 points, would be third in Canada, and they're not even going to make the playoffs. So just goes to show how, you know, kind of porous the Canadian Division has been this year compared to others. Um, but I think the Toronto Maple Leafs are the, the class of the division. They're going to go far. I think it's, it's, it would be a, uh, an, an absolute failure if they don't make it out of the divisional play and into the Final Four. The Canucks, on the other hand, as we transition to talk about your team and their future, obviously the playoffs are not going to be in the horizon for them. I think we can pretty much chalk that up the way it is. Uh, but going forward, if they can get, you know, get, get healthy again um, and, and get guys like Pedersen back into the lineup and get this year, this COVID season behind, you know, going forward, does this team still have a, a legitimate chance to like be a solid team or have they kind of hamstring themselves with this whole cap situation I think the latter honestly because look we already saw it play out with the player like Brock Besser right look at the deal that Brock Besser's on right now he signed a three-year deal which I think pays him 5.83 million per season at the time it would have been a lot more expedient and prudent of the team to sign a guy like Brock to a seven-year deal and if that was going to take him to seven million then so be it right like he's shown this year I think indisputably that he has been the MVP of this team as a forward he's rounded out his game that he is not just an elite shooter he is an all-around player and uh you, you know, having not done that, having not locked him up to term when you had the opportunity to do that, when that bridge contract expires, he's going to be have to be paid so much more money than if you'd just done it before. Well, guess what? You've put yourself in a position where the exact same thing is about to happen with Quinn Hughes and Elias Pettersson because I would much prefer to see those guys get locked up for high-priced eight-year contracts this offseason. But the fact is the team doesn't have the cap space to do that, just like they didn't have the cap space to do it with Besser. They didn't not do it with Brock because they were worried that it was a bad bet. They literally could not do it. And I just don't see how that's going to play out any differently here. And then when those bridge deals expire, if you do sign Pedersen and Hughes to three-year contracts this offseason and, and Brock's is going to expire a, a season before that, how do you get all those 
guys under one roof when this is all said and done. You've kind of, you've built a pretty solid core of prospects by drafting well, but you've mismanaged it so much to such an extent that I don't know, you know, whether it's Jim Benning or anybody else who comes in, if he is let go this offseason, how you clean up this mess long term. I really feel like they have uh, just completely uh, blown <laughs> blown their window, just taking a shotgun and, and fired it into their own face, essentially. It's it's really and, – and when you look at the J.T. Miller trade, if you go back to when that happened, the only upside of this horrible season – and, Mike, it has been a horrible, horrible season – is that they are going to come out of it with a pretty prime top prospect, I would assume, out of – you know, it's a weak draft class uh, in the end here, so maybe the player won't be as good as – fans want to hope from that draft position but can you imagine can you imagine if the team had missed the playoffs last year had not surrendered the the first round pick last season and had to give up their first round pick this year and you go through an entire year of just horrible pain with no payoff at the end whatsoever this has been a bad year it could be so much worse yeah, I never even thought about that. But, I mean, the Canucks kind of got – or the, the Leafs got caught with that last season too, right? They they gave up their first-round pick in order to get Marlowe's deal off the books. Little did they know that would turn out to be the 13th overall pick in the draft because they didn't make the playoffs because they got eliminated in the playing games. And, and they ended up with the 13th pick, which – they didn't have and it was like luckily they were able to fleece Pittsburgh for a first rounder for Kasperi Kapanen still don't know how Dubas pulled that off but like yeah that wow I never even thought about that actually until you said that but that would be so awful for the Canucks if that's how that would have played out look at the core that Toronto has assembled though they are in a position where you are able to shed a first round pick and it doesn't mean that much to you because you have Lilligrens and Sandines and so on, etc., coming in to supplement this group already. Vancouver was not in that position. Vancouver had a, a core of basically four players and gave up a first-round pick to throw JT Miller into that mix, who I really like as a player and have really liked as a personality this season as well. Don't get me wrong, but was that the move to make at that stage of your development? No, that's a team that has made the playoffs multiple times already makes to put themselves over the top. Not a play that a team that is knocking on the door and trying to make the playoffs for the first time is, 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 should be making, really. Like, think brought, about... Brought you guys to the second round of the playoffs, though, and, and a pretty, pretty solid run. Like, I, if, it were, if you had to redo the trade, would you think you would do that? I, uh, I, I don't know that I would make that trade in hindsight, which is funny because I was a very loud supporter of it against uh, my friends who were very loud critics at the time, because I was of the mind that this is a young team who's, you know, up and up. Exactly. Exactly. Young players are only going to get better, but I still feel that way because the, these contracts that are anchoring this team realistically are like, it's two years from now, they're all, they're all done gone and off the books not if you keep signing new ones though mike well Tyler i mean yeah the pearson, another the, several years the pearson one's a little tough i suppose but myers is just awful he's just awful and you're he's the highest paid player on the team you gotta hope he goes to uh you gotta hope that seattle takes him off your hands but i have a lot of friends who work in the analytics department of the seattle kraken i will tell you right now they're not, not taking tyler myers <laughs> <laughs> I, I might try to send some dms and be like oh this myers guy what do you think these are smart people they're not stupid he's not going there <laughs> fair enough 
That's fair enough. Um, in a very awful way to make this transition, there's a way where they may end up saving two and a half million dollars next year, and that's if Jake Vertanen's not on the roster. Um, talk a little bit about it since you're in the city and definitely more in the know than I am um, and familiar with the story. But uh, what's going on with Vertanen right now in Vancouver? I mean, I was on the uh, the sports update desk for News 1130 and Sportsnet 650 all day long uh, this morning from, from uh, 8.30 a.m. until about 3 o'clock in the afternoon. So I have had to talk about this story uh, rather in-depth as it broke. I had a feeling last night that it was going to go from internet scuttlebutt to official news story today, and lo and behold, it did. Uh, I don't really want to talk about uh, Jake, the player, and, and, and you know, coming no. out of that contract and what it means for the roster, what it means for the team, and what have you. But I will say one thing. You talked about uh, Sheldon Keefe approaching this game as a ease-up-a-little-bit game, letting guys have lower minutes, letting depth guys play more. I think that's a really good thing for the day that we had here in this city because if he'd gone balls to the wall and blown this team out 12 nothing or whatever, uh, this is already a, a very dark cloud bad day for this team. 5-1's not a great result either, don't get me wrong, but uh, that's part of the reason that I just couldn't focus on the game today. I, I just had such a hard time after having spent all day long reporting on uh, you know, sexual uh, misconduct allegations, which is what we legally have to call it, because until charges are laid, you can't technically call it assault, which is, I think, outrageous, but that's another story. Uh, you know, like, it's just... It's just real. It just compounds what I was just talking about. That this has been a bad season all around. There really are not that many uh, shining lights or silver linings to draw from this team or or anything that's happened this year, really. Yeah, it's uh, I, I you know heard some of the talk last night on on Twitter. Like you said, it kind of started off there, uh, and, and then it just developed overnight. And then this morning, I think the Canucks issued the statement that he was going to be on on leave while they enter uh, the, the investigation. But so I'm assuming that like, he's, he's at least done for the year. I would make the assumption that this is probably going to go through, uh, through a pretty significant deep dive into what exactly happened, what's going on. And uh, Bertanen very well could be done in Vancouver and maybe done in the NHL. I hope so. If he is found to be guilty of these things, if their investigation does find that he did do this, and, and you know, look, let's be honest. Uh, where there's one allegation, there's usually more to follow. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised if a number of other people that he has done this to uh, see the way that it, somebody finally came forward and broke that dam, right? Sean Watson is, to Sean Watson's a perfect example of what's going on right now in the NFL where there was one and all of a sudden it's now up to, what, 23 people who, uh, who are, are, are claiming sexual uh, assault allegations against him. Uh, so, yeah, you're, you're right. Like, this, it, this is already very bad. Domino. Yeah, this is already very bad, but it does have the potential to still get significantly worse before it's all said and done. And um, yeah, it's which it's, which which is another like I, I you know I know you don't want to get into the whole player aspect of it because that's not really what this conversation is about. But it's really like another black eye on the Benning regime. How this was a player who he really hitched his wagon to, and if this is how it ends. Like this could very well be kind of like the the straw that broke the camel's back when it comes to Jim Benning's job here in in Vancouver. Well, 
I'll tell you, Mike, I, I've had conversations on Locked On Canucks even not that long ago in, in the very recent past, past couple weeks here, where we've talked about the cost of having a player like Jake Vertanen in your locker room. I talked about it at the, at the trade deadline when Adam Gaudet was let go. You know, what did Jim Benning do after he traded Adam Gaudet? He came out and he said, well, he thought that he should be playing higher up in the lineup than we thought he should be, so we traded him, basically, sewering him on his way out the door. But if you're Adam Gaudet, why wouldn't you think you should be playing higher up the lineup? This is a team that constantly talks about character and, and, and uh, results coming from, uh, or rather rewards coming from hard work, right? Well, that's true for a lot of the roster. It's not true for the first, the, the very first first round pick that this regime ever made now seven years ago, who has just been allowed to continually make mistake after mistake, uh, both on and off the ice. That would be the end of any other player under this uh, sort of merit based reward system that has a consequence on other players within the room to see that I have to play by a different set of rules than this guy just because of my draft position. That is a negative thing overall on your, on your, the makeup of your team and, uh, and on the perception that it, that, that has within the fan base as well. I, I, I just, you know, I, and I feel icky, as I said, talking about this in a, in a player and locker room dynamic sense, but these are conversations we were already having two weeks ago about flawed character and this guy never facing any sort of punishment. Well, punishment's finally arriving, and unfortunately it's taken essentially the worst news we could hear to finally get it to that point. Yeah, it's, it's, it's not a good situation, and, and, you know, we don't want to speculate. There's lots of, of you know, information that we don't know yet uh, that hasn't come to light, but uh, it's certainly something that I'm sure you're going to be following over at Locked on Canucks, and, uh, you know, once official news comes out, I'll probably cover it a little bit more on Locked on Leafs and, and have you on to to discuss it. But for now, it, I think it's just it's a, it's a, a sticky situation for – kind of all involved and uh you know hopefully we get a resolution of this sooner rather than later yeah and i, I just one more thing i do hope that we are entering into an era of the of nhl and just sports in general where can this guy help me win yes or no is not the ultimate determinant on whether a guy gets to be part of your group or gets to yeah. continue being a professional hockey player, right? Uh, like I don't we know saw, if going to set that precedent. Oh, well, well, I don't know that he is either, but I am hoping that maybe a guy like uh, uh, Tony D'Angelo, for example, yeah. there were all kinds of rumors when he got put on waivers that, oh, maybe Calgary's interested in bringing him in. That was a rumor that was floated out there. Suddenly Calgary as a market, as a fan base exploded. No, 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 absolutely not. Do not bring that guy in. Suddenly Montreal, the organization the interest is gone. Yeah, absolutely. Montreal is still said, like still to this day right now, Elliot Friedman is talking about the fact that if he gets bought out or his contract is terminated at the end of this season, Montreal is interested in signing him to a different deal than the one he has right now. I hope that's a similar case of, of Calgary just sort of floating interest out there and seeing if the fan base reacts like this is radioactive poison, then we just can't do it. You shouldn't have to bank on the fan base reacting to rumors like that, though. You should know morally, uh, you know, that this is just not acceptable, that you cannot uh, pride yourself on being uh, a, a hardworking, moral, ethical uh, organization and bring these guys in and look past their their 
clear character issues, really. You know, I, I, I didn't want to see Slava Voinov ever play in the NHL again. I don't want to see, uh, you know, like Patrick Kane has just gotten to skate free from what he has done in his life because he's so good at hockey. And Jake Vertanen is not good enough at hockey to be able to get away with that. But I don't think even if he was, that should factor into the determination made here. Well, I think if you're looking for a kind of a poster boy to uh, for sports to kind of make an example of and say, hey, we're, you know, we're not putting up with this anymore. If you're a bad person, we don't want you around anymore. It's going to be the Deshaun Watson thing. And, and however that ends up playing out, um, you know, again, it's it's nothing that he's been convicted of. It's not criminal or, or anything. There's so far just allegations. But, you know, if it turns out to be true and he is convicted or he is proven to be guilty, I, I would hope and, and imagine that that would be kind of the first uh, star player to get the, the – kind of get the book thrown at them and, and get thrown out of the game. Yeah. I, you know, fingers crossed here. I don't, I don't want to – I don't want to speculate and say I hope he's guilty or whatever. I hope justice well, comes you, and the truth. You hope no one's right? guilty. You hope nobody's guilty because you hope that that didn't happen. At exactly. The end of the day, of course, right? Of course. Like, but also, yeah. I, if I believe the woman, I believe, I believe when people step yeah. up and put themselves on the line like this, that they have no incentive to do that other than to see someone who did something awful to them brought to justice. Because look, I can speak from experience as someone who was very publicly victimized in an assault, not a sexual assault, just a physical assault. I don't want to say that these two things were the same, but I know firsthand that being a victim in public is a very, very horrible experience and nobody volunteers for that without having, having gone through something beforehand. How's the leg feeling by the way? Not too bad. I got to say good stuff. Good stuff. (laughs) Uh, let's let's uh let's end that here all right let's uh we'll end it here just because you know again we are not exactly sure of all the details so before we start speculating probably just end the conversation <laughs> at this point um where we are but uh hey i'm gonna continue celebrating that 5-1 leaves victory baby you go ahead and drown your sorrows we're both got a couple of bevies on the go and uh, enjoy the rest of your Saturday night. And I suppose it's Friday for those, or Monday morning for those <laughs> who are listening right now. So hopefully you guys enjoyed your weekend. Uh, but that's to do it for us here on the podcast. I'd like to thank you all for listening and supporting our shows. You can subscribe to the Locked On Leafs and Locked On Canucks podcast on all podcasts and platforms to receive daily content. Follow myself on Twitter at Mickey underscore Canuck. Follow the show at Locked On Leafs. And make sure you follow Justin as well. Um, at Justin Morris and at Locked on Leafs. Uh, but until then, keep it locked right here uh, on Locked on Leafs, also on Locked on Canucks. And the Locked on Podcast Network.